This is Making Stitches and this time we hear from Alison Chu from Keep Calm and Carry Yarn podcast and the brand new crochet magazine Morit as she spreads the word about the wonders of crochet. I think one of my my, my favourite reactions were from people who didn't realise it was crochet and particularly people who, who were just knitters and they would come by and they would start picking things up and I'd step over to them and, and ask them, do you crochet? And they would turn around and say, no, I don't. So, well, this is all crocheted and then they'd be astounded. But then to have crocheters come over and, you know, equally be amazed that this was a publication that was all crochet and it was something that they could buy and know that all the patterns in it they could make. I mean, that, that getting that um, reaction was really, really, really lovely as well. Hello and welcome to Making Stitches. I'm Lindsay and I'm really pleased you've been able to join me for my latest craft-related chat. It's yarn craft we're looking at today and specifically crochet, which is my personal favourite. However, if crochet's not your thing, I think you'll still enjoy hearing Alison Chu's inspiring story of not only keeping a podcast going for over four years, which is a real commitment, as well as how she set about filling a gap in the market with her remarkable new magazine, Morit. Alison started life in the United States, but when she moved to the UK in 2017, she started a podcast called Keep Calm and Carry Yarn with her mum Vivian, who was back in the States. Alison, who's a crocheter, and Vivian, who's a knitter, get together online twice monthly to chat about all things yarn, their latest projects, TV shows they love, and other topics too. However, this year, Alison, who's now based in Edinburgh, decided to take on the challenge of launching a high-end crochet magazine, the like of which she'd seen available for knitters, but not for crocheters. Thanks to a Kickstarter campaign supported by over 600 people, issue one of Morit, which is named after a breed of Scottish sheep, was launched in autumn. I caught up with Alison a few weeks back once that first issue had been released, and while work was well underway for issue two. Here's our chat now. First of all, Alison, thank you so much for agreeing to speak to me for making stitches. I know it's been a long time in the coming because you've been so utterly busy, and I can appreciate why. (laughs) (laughs) So um, tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, I know that you've had a podcast with your mum. You live on different sides of the the big pond from your mum. It's it's a lovely way that you've got of keeping in touch. But how did creativity and crochet in particular come into your life? Yeah, um, so my mum crafted with me and my siblings a lot growing up as kids. I was actually just running through this list the other day. You know, we, we did scrapbooking and sewing and quilting and crochet and knitting and playing with clay, jewelry making, just all the things that, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom and she was always finding, you know, new, new things to keep us busy, essentially. But she did teach me how to crochet and to knit when I was a kid. I think like a lot of people who learn as, as um, young people or as children, they, they do it once or twice or, you know, for however long and then lose interest and that's sort of what happened with me as well and I picked it up again when I was doing my master's degree in London in publishing and I I just decided I needed a hobby and I just kind of went to my old standbys of things that I had learned as as a kid and I could have easily picked up 
knitting needles, but I, I picked up crochet hooks and uh, a crochet hook instead. And so that's sort of what led me to deep dive into crochet side of things rather than knitting like my mom. My mom is a keen knitter. Um, and as you mentioned, we, we have a podcast, uh, we podcast together where she, she knits and I crochet and we talk about it. So we each have our sort of own spheres of craft, fiber craft, um, and that's called Keep Calm and Carry Yarn. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into crochet and crafting. I know your podcast has been going since 2017, is that right? I think so, yeah, pretty much for as long as I've lived in the UK now, because we pretty much started it. Uh, I think we had one episode where we were together in the same room recording, you know, looking at each other, just practicing. And then the next episode I was in Scotland. Wow. So that's, you've got amazing staying power there. Do you think it's, so many podcasts I know, they they start with great intentions and they fall by the wayside. But do you think it's because you were with your mum and you have this commitment and it's a way of sharing your craft that's kept you going? Yeah, we keep each other accountable. And, and certainly it kind of goes in, in waves of I'm really enthusiastic about it and, and th- there'll be months where I don't feel like recording, but my mom's there so I've got to record. And so that definitely helps us carry on and, and, and keep that momentum. And part of the reason why I wanted to do the podcast or said yes um, to doing it was because I knew it would also push me to stick with crocheting. I think I, I have a tendency to to you know try new things and without really sticking with them and I didn't really want this to be another one of those things so having this podcast meant that you know I had I would be holding to somebody else to to keep trying new things and to talk about the things that I was doing and I I think it's worked (laughs) (laughs) well I listened back before we spoke to your very first um episode (laughs) it sounded fine (laughs) but uh, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But you you said in it how you were kind of adamant that you were not going to go down the route of knitting. However, mm-hmm. it would appear that in the intervening years that maybe you've been uh, taken over to the dark side and there's been a little bit of knitting has crept in. <laughs> a, a tiny bit. I, I, like such a small, small minuscule amount. I think we did a project each where she did a crochet project and I did a knitting project. So we did that. And I honestly can't remember what it was that I decided... To, oh, it was the the pussy hat, I think, was my, my, my knitting project. Um, it's very basic. Um, and then I am currently working on a cardigan which has a knitted element on, like, a sort of a cowl neck on the cardigan. And I've kind of stalled with that. So I, I've i picked up... Re-learned how to, to knit. I, I've taught myself now how to do the continental style. But I definitely... I, I wouldn't say I turned to the dark side. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> no offense to any knitters out there, of course. <laughs> <Maybe listening. laughs> Including your mum. <laughs> oh dear. So obviously what you're known for at the moment, aside from the podcast, is this amazing project that you undertook to launch a brand new crochet magazine at sort of a, a, a it's hard to say, but like more a more upmarket. It's not the kind of magazine you see on a supermarket shelf and having held it in my hands and felt the quality of the paper it's more like a book really than a magazine um what what brought all that about well I think most crocheters will already know and probably agree with me that there's just a lot less for crocheters than for 
for knitters. A lot of things feel like the default is geared towards knitters and that could be anything from walking into a yarn store, even the names of the yarn store might have the word knit or knitting or refer back to you know knitting and purling or something and you never get that that with with crochet. Um, and then there's the actual things that are in there. There might be lots of knitting samples, but not so many crochet samples. There's usually more knitting books and crochet books. And I think that's, that that is partly just because there is less out there for crochet. And I think that's starting to change, but I, I have a publishing background. I love to read. I love books. I love physical books. And so I was all, I, one of the first things I would go to in my local yarn store was always the bookshelf. Um, even maybe even before the yarn. I think it was because I was just always wanting that next project to make. And all the books I was picking up for crochet, none of it really interested me. It was a lot of things for beginners, and at that point I wasn't a beginner. Lots of um, stitch dictionaries, home decor type things, amigurumi, and I was looking for things that had garments and accessories and then I would turn to the knitting section and they had all that stuff. They had all the, the nice magazines and books that had garments and accessories. So that was the first, sort of first inkling when I was visiting my, my local yarn stores here in Edinburgh that there was something missing. And the more I crocheted, the more I you know, immersed myself in the community and, and talked to other people, you know, it became clear that I wasn't the only one that felt this. And I, I have a, a background in, in publishing, so eventually I just sort of thought, actually, I could be the person to make the thing that I want to buy. And, and that's what led me to, to decide to make Murat magazine. And of course, it was all started with a Kickstarter. And um, I believe you had over 600 people contribute towards that to get you going. Did that give you the confidence then to carry on or or did it give you pressure that you know all these people have put their faith in me and, and I've got to follow through <laughs> I think more more confidence than pressure I as much as I knew that other people wanted this because I'd spoken to other people and and lots of other crochet designers and my friends were really encouraging about it and having lined up the designers before I even launched the Kickstarter, so I knew that you know these designers were invested in the idea of a magazine as well, so it wasn't just me and potential readers or friends. I, I still set myself that target of, I'm going to print 500 copies. That didn't seem like you know an, an undoable amount. It seemed like a reasonable amount to be able to, to fund, and the fact that it was completely you know, I, I ended up getting more than 500 pre-orders through the Kickstarter because, as you say, there was over 600 backers. It, it yeah, it definitely gave me the confidence because I already had the funding and the backing to do more than what I initially thought was possible. Oh, that's wonderful. How, how did you go about choosing who you were going to include or who which designers you were going to include? Because uh, I can imagine that's that's quite tricky. Yeah, for the first issue, particularly, I didn't do an open call for submission because this it was all a bit hush-hush. I was still trying to decide if this was a, an achievable um, project. And so I, I ended up getting in touch with some designers that I already knew. So um, Faye, Rosina, and Clarissa Beth were some of the designers that I already knew. I liked their designs, and I had it in my mind that the first issue's theme was just very loosely going to be for the love of crochet. So I wanted to showcase a few different 
techniques and, and whatnot. And that was the sort of focus. Um, and I picked out Rosina because I knew that she could, she makes really contemporary pieces with more, your more traditional stitch, stitches like the granny stitch and wave stitches. Um, and she does that through the way she combines it with other stitches and the way she uses color. Um, and so I, so I had designers like that, that I had in mind already. And then I just had a list of designers that I just admired their, their designs and by kind of mixing and matching what sort of techniques they were known for or that I knew that they had designed before and um, I came up with this list of this is my sort of dream team and reached out to them and in the end I didn't really have to go to any plan B's because they all said yes and and I think that was yeah part of what gave me the comments as well to well because I had that the designers um, lined up that was the sort of I'm ready to actually launch this Kickstarter. And how did it feel then after what I can only imagine was many sleepless nights and uh, and wondering how it was all going to come together? How did it feel when you finally had that first issue in your hands and you could see all your hard work had come to fruition? It was really unreal. And I think, you know, I, I, I'd been sitting with it for so long and staring at, you know, all the digital proofs and just you know, everything from step one that I, I think I was almost too removed from it at that point. And it took other people seeing it and telling me, this is really amazing, you've done a really good job, where I finally kind of, you know, dropped back into my body and said, oh yeah, no, you're right, it is nice. Like, I, I just been looking at it and thinking, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, like, it is what it is. Um, and it, it was only through other people's eyes that I was kind of able to reappreciate what it was that I had done and made. Oh, how wonderful. And of course, we bumped into each other at Yarndale. And so <laughs> you, you had the perfect opportunity to, to hear from people who were just passing and, and saw, potentially saw it for the first time. What kind of a reaction did you did you have? Um, I, I think one of my, my, my favourite reactions were from people who didn't realise it was crochet, um, particularly people who, who were just knitters and they would come by and they would start picking things up and I'd step over to them and, and ask them, do you crochet? And they would turn around and say, no, I don't. So, well, this is all crocheted. And then they'd be astounded. But then to have crocheters come over and, you know, equally be amazed that this was a publication that was all crochet and it was something that they could buy and know that all the patterns in it they could make. I mean, that, that getting that um, reaction was really, really, really lovely as well. Um, just... I think there was a lot of surprise, for, particularly from people who hadn't heard of the magazine before. And it was nice to be able to surprise them in a good way. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's so completely unlike any other crochet magazine. It, it really is. It's beautiful. And I love mine. I can imagine it living on my bookshelf for a very long time to come, whereas other <laughs> magazines will come and go, I'm sure. <laughs> so Thank um, you. You're welcome. So I believe that work is already well underway for issue two indeed i actually i have a box of issue two samples under the the desk at the moment and um, they're all in and yeah they're they're about to be be tech edited i've got a photo shoot coming up in the coming weeks so it's it's definitely well underway and not just that uh, at the moment time of recording the call for submission period is open for issue three so things are really ticking along for the next few issues oh that's fabulous so it's um Every six months, is that right? The issues are published. Mm-hmm. Yeah, twice a year. Wonderful. Well, that's great. So can you let any secrets out as to the kind of things we might expect to see in the future? Or is it going to be along the same lines as what we've already had? 
Um, I hope, you know, generally along the same lines, that same sort of quality, that same sort of beautiful crochet garments and accessories. Um, with So I started with the autumn winter issue because I thought as a crochet publication, autumn winter is the perfect time because that's when you're making all your warm woolies. Um, so this next issue will be spring summer, so you'll see more um, fibers like cotton and bamboo, a uh, bit of silk, um, and that will probably remain consistent, that sort of seasonality of, of autumn, winter, spring, summer. But the climate of Scotland and the UK in general will sort of dictate the kinds of spring, summer uh, garments. And I think most most knitting magazines, because, because you know, knitting and crochet in general is creating a certain weight of, of fabric, you, you're, not, you're not necessarily seeing true spring, summer, I'm going on a holiday um, clothing, and that will be the same case for Murat, despite the fact that I think when it comes to spring and, or summer garments, crochet, ten, I think, can be more useful for summer garments, like your your bikinis and your beach cover-ups, but you won't see that in, in Murat because uh, you just don't really have need for that in Scotland. <laughs> Having had very many childhood holidays in Scotland, I can absolutely agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I think the autumn winter um, collection would, would, wouldn't would be amiss in August uh, on the coast of Scotland, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so amongst all your magazine things and podcasting, do you find you have very much time left to actually crochet for pleasure? Yeah, there's definitely a lot less time. Um, and I guess... Again, having the podcast means I'm beholden to somebody and, and there's some nights where we're recording the next day and I think to myself, oh gosh, I better do something. <laughs> so I have something new to talk about and I don't always have something new to talk about. Um, so it, it is more challenging finding time to to make for myself for pleasure. And I, but I do still find the time. Um, I mean, if anything, you know, I, I need to make my versions of the things that are in the magazine. <laughs> um, yeah. So what are you working on at the moment? I'm working on a linen dress, which is going to be my maid of honor dress at my sister's wedding in January. Oh, wow. That's a very special thing to be working on. How yeah. lovely. Yeah. So I've got the extra pressure because I actually do have to finish this by January. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. How lovely. Have you found that having the podcast with your mum has helped kind of keep family ties really strong with, with living so far away from home? Yeah, my my mom and I were all have always been really close. Like she's one of my best friends, and doing the podcast, it, it means that I have to talk to her twice a month. Um, and I, you know, and I and I, but the thing is, I call her in between those those twice a months anyway. Um, and yeah, but it's it's been a really nice project to to work on together. I think particularly before I moved to Scotland, I was living in Boston, and she was living in New Hampshire, only about an hour's drive away. And we saw each other quite a lot. So this kind of makes up for not having the, you know, weekend trips to go shopping or, you know, other random bits. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine having, I, I've, I've lived in a different country from my mum for a, for a while. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, those connections are so important, really. So what does the future hold for you as a, a craftsperson, as a publisher of a magazine? What, what's the next big challenge for you? 
I mean, in, in making the magazine, I've suddenly, you know, I've, I've realized now that issue one is done, I've created this monster that needs to be fed because, you know, it's, it's issue one and then two and then three and then four. And I hope it, it will, you know, be issue issues on and on and on into the future for years to come. So definitely that that will still be my baby. And I'm hoping it will grow enough that I can get some help because at the moment it is it is just me. And and I find there's the obvious things that I need to do to make the magazine, um, looking through through patterns, uh, lay doing the layout. I do the layout myself. But then things that I didn't think about before actually doing it, all the customer service and the processing orders and taking it to the post office, all that stuff takes up a lot of time. And um, yeah, it would be nice to, to have some help. Um, and then I think my my sort of vision for Murit as a sort of publisher in general I'd love to be able to get into books and start filling those local bookstores with or sorry local yarn stores with more than just you know this one crochet magazine I'd love there to be more crochet books full of garments and accessories as well although you know the magazine as you say kind of is a bit of a book in its own own right absolutely oh wow well that's fab fabulous that you've uh, you're onwards and upwards and and got you know ambition of taking it further that is wonderful and mm -hmm. as, as a crocheter I'm incredibly grateful for these new, <laughs> lovely beautiful new garments and, and things that that you've brought to to our attention there are some absolutely beautiful jumpers and oh yes <laughs> I'm hoping yeah, that I, just, uh, I get some nice so yarn for other... Christmas <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I've got um such a long list of designers that I, I hope one day we'll we'll be able to design for the magazine as well. There's just there is just so much out there, and I mean, with the internet, it's easy now to to find new sources of of inspiration and and new designers to follow. But I think having it sort of curated in the magazine as a starting point for people who are looking for those sorts of modern crochet designs that that's one of the other things that I hope the magazine is is that starting point you can pick up a magazine look at all the designers and say oh I really like the designs and then follow them because it's it's about more than just the single magazine it's about all the people who are contributing to it and the work that they're doing beyond oh that's wonderful oh well thank you so much Alison for your time I really appreciate it and uh, I really look forward to seeing what uh, 2022 brings to us in, oh, in terms of more <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you. My thanks again to Alison for speaking to me for making stitches. I've included links to Morit magazine and the Keep Calm and Carry On podcast in the show notes for this episode so you can find out more about Alison's projects there. My thanks to you too for listening. I really appreciate your support. It's been a really great year for Making Stitches and it's not over yet. There are a couple of festive special episodes coming your way before the end of the year too. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could buy me a coffee or perhaps you'd like to buy some Making Stitches merchandise from my shop. There are cotton tote bags, stitch markers and badges for sale there, as well as some of my own crochet patterns. You can find a link for this too in the episode's show notes. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, I'd be really grateful if you'd consider leaving a review on your favourite podcast app. Doing that and subscribing or following Making Stitches means that more people will be able to find it in future. 
Thanks so much for listening. That's all I've got for you this time, but I will be back again on Christmas Eve with a special Christmas episode for you. Until then, take care, keep safe and enjoy your crafting.